today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Even to this day, I look at our culture and think, man, they're giving our daily news right here as a nation, a nation that I believe that we were blessed and covered by the hand of God and and how we formed and, and how we grew through the years. But it's been decades now since we've lost the passion as a nation for the things of God. And we verbally proclaim one nation under God, in God we trust. And yet in reality, we're serving the world, the things of the world. In Pastor David's message today, he laments that our country has lost its passion for the things of God. When you look at our current culture, this is no doubt true. We might verbally proclaim one nation under God, but in reality, we serve our flesh. Don't let this be true in your life. Don't say with your mouth that you love the Lord, but in your heart, chase after the things of this world. Instead, let your life be an example to others that you follow the Lord's way, doing those things that are pleasing to Him and not to the world. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 2 Kings chapter 17 as he continues his message from empire to exile. it, be sure your sin will find you out. There is nothing secret that won't be revealed. It says here first, they built for themselves high places in all of their cities from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. There they burned incense in all the high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away from before. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger for they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets. In other words, he kept sending prophets, kept sending prophets to tell them, no, what you're doing is wrong. There's gonna be judgment. He says, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the laws which I commanded your fathers, which I sent to you by my servants and prophets. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but they stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed after idols. They became idolaters. They went after the nations who were all around them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God 
that made for themselves molten images, two calves, made a wooden image, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. They practiced witchcraft and soothsaying. They sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. But also in verse 19, Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but they walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of the plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all of his servants, the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land, Assyria, as it is today. We could go on and on and on here, but let me scoot ahead. Down in verse 29. Every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines and the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities where they dwelt. The men of Babylon made Sukkoth Binoth and the man of Kuth made Nergal and the men of Hamath made Ashima and the Avites made Nebhaz and Tartak and the Sepharites. They burned their children in fire to Adramelech and Anamalek, the gods of Seraphim. So they feared, so they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. They feared the Lord, and yet they served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they had carried away. What he's speaking about here is all these other nations that are around there They're still doing all of these wicked and and profane things. They're still serving these other gods. They say that they fear the Lord. They fear Jehovah, but it's not impacting their lives. I wonder how often that's the testimony of people who claim that they're Christians. I love Jesus. We mouth with our words, but what happens with our lives in the secret places? in the desires of our hearts, the directions of our lives. Verse 34 says, to this day, they continue practicing the former rituals. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and commandments, which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob. I know that as it says to this day, that's for the one who's writing these words. And they believe that First and Second Kings or that Kings was written even after the time that the southern kingdom in 586 fell to the Babylonians. And so he's looking at this, man, uh, Israel's no more. Judah's up in Babylon. And still to this day, the people around, they continue practicing their former rituals. There's no true repentance. Because there's no true repentance, 
There's no revival. God had told him, you shall fear no other gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, him you shall offer sacrifice. And the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandments which he wrote, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I've made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God, you shall fear. And he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. However, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images. Also their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did, even to this day. I look at our culture and think, man, they're given our daily news right here as a nation. A nation that I believe that we were blessed and covered by the hand of God and, and how we formed and, and how we grew through the years. But it's been decades now since we've lost the passion as a nation for the things of God. And we verbally proclaim one nation under God. In God we trust. And yet in reality, we're serving the world and the things of the world and the pleasures of the world. We serve our flesh. We, we as parents, we, we do everything we can to, to raise godly children, but they, they have to make those decisions on their own. Just as we as adults have to make that decision on our own. I can't live on the faith of last week or last year. I have to be renewed and restored in faith on a continual basis. Why? Because this world keeps pulling. I can't say that I love the Lord and it really be true if I keep serving the things of this world. That's why Paul says, examine yourself. See if you're really in the faith or not. All of these things were happening. Right around 722 BC, that's when, that's when Samaria fell. That's when Israel fell. That's when the northern kingdom was assimilated by Assyria. At the same time, then a good king actually began to rule in, in Judah, King Hezekiah. Hezekiah came in. He started bringing in revival at this point in time. He started cleansing and repairing the temple. He tore down the idols. He reinstituted the priesthood. It was Hezekiah that actually finally destroyed those high places that many of the good kings of Judah still didn't tear down the high places. They were places of pagan worship, but yet he didn't tear them down, or they didn't, but he did. He then directed the worship of God to return to the temple there in Jerusalem. He, he pre resumed the Passover. He resumed the tradition of inviting the scattered tribes of Israel to come in and take part in the Passover festival. And by and large, Hezekiah, he was a good and he was a gracious king. But then Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, he decided he was going to come against Jerusalem. That, uh, and he started making these blasphemous statements against the power and the faithfulness of Almighty God. And in chapter 18, down in verse 28, his, Sennacherib's leader of his army 
Rabshak, verse 28 of chapter 18. Rabshak stood outside of Jerusalem. He stood and he called out with a loud voice in Hebrew so all the people could hear and understand. He said, hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This king or this city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. He said, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, oh, come, make, make, make peace with me. Buy a present and come out to me. Every one of you, you, you'll eat from your own vine. Every one of you from your own fig tree. Every one of you drink the waters of your own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own, land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey that you may live and not die. But don't listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, no, the Lord will deliver us. Then he asked a very heart-rendering, thoughtful question. Have any of the gods of the other nations ever delivered them from the hand of the king of Assyria? See, beloved, that's the same battle that you and I are in. The enemy of our souls comes and says, hey, look, you know, you, you, you say you trust in God, but you know what? Things still happen to you, don't they? <laughs> why, why do you put yourself under that burden? The world says, come and follow me, man. I'll make it easy on you. I'll make, man, you'll have land of grain and wine, land of bread, vineyards, olive groves. Oh, it's going to be great. It'll be easy for you to follow the way of the world. Because God's not really working out for you, is he? Hezekiah knew that the people were listening. Because the battle's hard. Battle's hard for any that want to do righteous. Because, beloved, we are in an alien land. This whole world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That's the reality and the truth of where we're at. Hezekiah cried out to the Lord. He, he cried for Isaiah the prophet to come. And Isaiah told him, man, stay strong in the Lord, Hezekiah. You are the leader of these people. The Lord will deliver. And then Hezekiah prayed for me one of the most powerful prayers in the Old Testament. Look at 2 Kings chapter 19. Second Kings 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which, has, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands. 
They've cast their gods into the fire for they were not gods, but they were the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are Jehovah God, you alone. God answered the prayer. He answered the prayer with a word to Isaiah that's found down in verses 20 through 31. But I want to zero in on just the last portion, actually kind of verses 32 through 34. Verse 32 is still in chapter 19. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield or build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And then that night, the Lord sent an angel into the Assyrian camp and slaughtered 185,000 Assyrians. When the others woke up the next day, they saw all the corpses, and they, they knew something tragic had taken place. And so they left. He went, Sennacherib went back to Nineveh. Shortly after that, he decided he would go back in to worship his God. He goes into his own pagan temple. And while Sennacherib is in his pagan temple there in Nineveh, two of his own sons then come after them and they hack him with swords and they kill Sennacherib. And then a third son becomes king over Assyria. And that at that point, that became the downward spiral of the Assyrian Empire. The Babylonian Empire came in strong at that point in time. In chapter 20 of 2 Kings, we read again, uh, they were following a, literally, a, a, there was a sickness that Hezekiah had and the, the, the new king of, of, of Judah. And the Lord healed him, the Lord extended his life. But then Hezekiah makes his fatal mistake. He shows off the treasures of the temple to this envoy, this envoy from Babylon. And when Isaiah the prophet found out about it, then he prophesied, you know what? Behold, the days are coming. This is chapter 20, verse 17. Behold, the days are coming when all that's in your house, what your fathers had accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. You see, you cannot play both sides. Hezekiah had cried out to the Lord, saying, Lord, you need to deliver us. But then when Babylon came, Babylon was no better than Assyria. They were still a pagan nation. And in essence, you could look at it this way. Hezekiah tried to make a deal with the devil. And God says, Hezekiah, you cannot live that way. You cannot play it that way. I'm not honored in that. And you will destroy your life. So in essence, he says, all that you have and what your fathers have accumulated until this day are going to be carried off to Babylon. Nothing is going to be left. Well, it didn't happen during Hezekiah's life. 
Hezekiah died. His son Manasseh came up. Manasseh reigned for 20 years, 25 years. He was absolutely evil. All the good that Hezekiah did, his son came and undid all the good, restored all the pagan worship, everything brought back, all the high places, everything. He built the altars, everything that was there. He built the altars to all the host of heaven. And again, he made his sons pass through the fire. This is all in chapter 21. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him. Verse 9, Manasseh seduced the nation to do more evil than all the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Even as good as Hezekiah was, his son came back just so evil, so evil. After Manasseh dies, his son Ammon takes his place, and he remains just as evil as Manasseh was. And then the servants of Ammon, chapter 21, verse 23, tells us the servants of Ammon conspired against him to kill the king in his own house. Beloved, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Finally, Jehoiakim becomes king at 25 years old. He reigns for 11 years, but during that time, the Babylonians, they come. They've conquered the the Assyrians. Now they come, and by 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, comes. He overruns Judah and Jerusalem, taking the people captive for some 70 years. And that's how the book of 2 Kings ends, from empires to exiles. The whole series, as we've been talking about this, is the beginning, the end, a new beginning. The beginning of this was the empire that David built and Solomon raised up. It ended when Rehoboam came. But there was still the opportunity for a new beginning, even in the southern kingdom, as there was good kings, and godly kings in the midst of that. But then the end came again because there were also wicked kings in the midst of that too. So now we look and the whole nation is gone and the rest of the Old Testament actually speaks of events that had taken place during these times of prophets that came, spoke to not only the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, but also to the surrounding kingdoms. The rest of the Old Testament brings us to the reality that God was at work in every way to draw his people back to himself. But yet his people continued to look at the things around them, to look at the world around them, and continue to desire, instead of being peculiar people, instead of being people that were bought by the love of God, they wanted to blend into the world. And beloved, because of that, they were brought in as exiles into the world and never really fully restored in power again. Oh, God's not finished with them yet. I realize that. But it's nothing nearly as glorious as what it could be and what it should have been. For you and I, for our lives, whether we be young, whether we be old, if we're still here, there's still a battle before us. And the world keeps drawing and the flesh keeps getting weary and wore out and answers don't come quite as quickly as we hope. The enemy of our soul continues to bring in doubt. Stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, for he is the one. He will prevail in all things.
Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.